Welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. I'm your host, Ian Bukta, but today we're going to be hearing another interview with our co-producer Haley Boudreaux in our 40 Under 40 series. This series, we are interviewing some of the De Beaumont Foundation's 40 Under 40 in Public Health. This week, Haley sat down with Dr. Jeffrey Hum, a policy advisor to the health commissioner in the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. Dr. Hum is a medical doctor as well as a public health practitioner, and he offered a perspective on the opioid crisis in Philadelphia. He also talked about the synergy between being a clinician and working in public health and provided some great career advice to anyone interested in going into the fields of medicine or public health. All right, here's Haley's conversation with Dr. Hum. Would you please state your name, organization, and your position? Sure. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Hom. I am a policy advisor to the health commissioner in the Philadelphia Department of Public Health here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We're interviewing today because you were recently named a part of the DeMont 40 Under 40. Can you briefly describe the work that you that contributed to this amazing honor? I'd be happy to. You know, I am grateful to the Beaumont Foundation, certainly for this recognition, and to this podcast for the chance to share a little bit about our work here in Philadelphia. Uh, my work here focuses on substance use and harm reduction, sort of the, the program within the health department that I co-manage here in Philadelphia. And a lot of my work has really been thinking about what is our departmental response and what are the partnerships that we need around prevention, treatment, and harm reduction to really address the outcomes of the opioid crisis in the city here, which has been particularly devastated by substance use. Predominantly opioids, but a lot of other substances are affecting our communities as well. And so a lot of my work over the last couple of years, and as which really put me in touch with a lot of folks across the city and really in partnerships even with health departments across the uh, country, has been sort of focused on how can we help prevent more people from becoming addicted to different substances in the first place. And for those who already are addicted, how can we help them get into treatment? And for those who may not be quite ready there, how can we prevent them from dying so that they have a chance to enter treatment if and when they are ready? And you actually earned your medical degree and then now you're in public health. And so what kind of prompted you to get into public health? Yeah, so I'm an internist by training. I trained in internal medicine and primary care and really found that to be a valuable and insightful experience, you know, engaging patients and their families, learning about their histories, their values, what health means to them. And that was, I think, an important part of of my education and learning, you know, what does health mean to different people and what are the things that they really value in their lives and how can I help them achieve their, their goals? That experience to me was transformative and I'm still grateful for all the patients who contributed to my own learning and development as a physician, but also really as a public health professional. You know, I think when I was studying public health in graduate school, I combined it with my medical degree and it really made me appreciate that so much of an individual's health is governed by forces that are beyond what we can do in a clinic setting. I think it's important what we can do in a clinic setting, but it's also important to think about all the different factors and determinants that are influenced outside of the clinic walls. And so a lot of my interest in public health came from hearing a lot of the stories of my patients, but then also really thinking about how can I have a greater impact on their collective well-being, both at an individual level and thinking about the programs or the policies that may shape their health, but then also really how can I think about the well-being of communities at large and thinking about population health. And to have an impact in that space was something that really resonated with me and was something I wanted to contribute to. And so as I sort of 
progressed through my medical training and residency, I fortunately had wonderful mentors who were in public health already who were also physicians, but it also made this transition to doing both clinical care and to public health and public service. And they were just a wonderful source of inspiration and helped me really understand how the knowledge that I gained from patients and how learning their history and learning their stories could really help me think about my role in public health as well. And I think that's also vice versa, that the things I think about in public health, realizing that the programs or policies that I may be advocating for or advancing in the health department, how that will, you know, how that will affect individuals and how that will affect potentially my patients themselves. And so I think it's been, for me, a wonderful discipline where I've been able to learn from and use some of my, my medical training in a, in a different way that ideally helps advance individual and collective health and well-being. And you haven't had a very long career, but you've really accomplished a lot. So do you have any advice for anyone that's kind of just starting their career or students or maybe someone that's um, looking to kind of change up their career? I too am new in public health. I haven't been in this position for too long now, um, and so I'm learning a lot myself every day. But I think the few thoughts that I would share from a local health department's point of view and my and my point of view sitting in a local health department for new for new graduates or for students who are working towards their uh, their master's degrees or, or or undergraduate degrees in public health, um, you know, one of which is to really to think and learn about data and think about the value of local data. I mean, I think there's a lot of attraction to working with large data sets and doing complex analyses, but I I don't want to overlook really the importance of thinking about local issues and local data and how that really can be the most impactful and meaningful to stakeholders locally and engaging policymakers locally. You know, it is nice to have large data sets, but really people care about what's happening in their communities and in their neighborhoods. And so to the extent that you can explore local data and share some of that can really help guide programs or policies even really at a city level. So that's sort of one piece of advice I would have around uh, around data in terms of sort of the quantitative side of things. But I would also say in that same breath to not discount the value of qualitative data. I think increasingly we as a health department are looking into doing focus groups or doing semi-structured interviews with people who have been affected by substance use here in Philadelphia. And that just opened our eyes to so much of a a richer world and provided so much context to the numbers that we may see. We have a robust surveillance department or surveillance program within the um, opioid program and our substance use program here in the health department. And those numbers are also so important. And I think we we need to be able to quantify things to the extent that we're able to to understand trends and to, to understand if our interventions are working. But that there really is also so much value to qualitative work as well to really complement that and to really help unpackage some of the findings that you may see in, in your uh, quantitative analyses. And then lastly, I think the one thing I would just sort of say about uh, local public health to me, which has just been so much fun, is that it's problem solving. In many ways, I, I think about my role is solving very practical problems for which there may be one or more right answers and trying to understand what is going to be the best course of action and talking with a lot of different people across the city. So the work is really a very collaborative one. You know, I, I think it's really inspiring in that way. I think you can learn so much from so many different people. And so for those who are getting into it, I would just, just say, you know, explore it, enjoy it, you know, talk with a lot of different people because there's a lot of different ways that public health manifests, even in different sectors. And so I think keeping an open mind and realizing that we all, no matter what sector we're in, we all still care about an individual or a public's well-being, their health, their safety. And so to be open to having, you know, discussions with people who may not necessarily be working in a space that's exactly aligned with yours, but undoubtedly there are ways to learn from them and to maybe even find ways to collaborate with them. 
I kind of want to expand on a couple of things with a couple more questions. So one of the things that I want to pick out from your answer is that there's not always one solution to a problem. And so how do you think as public health professionals and public health as a, a whole, how can we do better to get that message across? You know, is there like a strategic vision or communication method that we can improve to help better solve problems? I think from my point of view in, in, in public health, you know, there are a couple of things that we can do and we, we should be striving, striving to do. One of which is to familiarize ourselves with existing data and to understand you know, what we can from the literature and from studies, anything that has been done before, so that we're not entirely recreating the wheel. That said, I think we also have to be nimble and flexible and to realize that maybe we'll implement something, but that we have to be receptive to following it, studying it, and to evaluating it, see if things may be different than what we expected, or to be see how we can improve something. I mean, I think no program is perfect, and so are there ways that we can still be be adaptable and be receptive to saying like, okay, you know, let's change course a little bit here. And that does rely sort of ongoing communication with stakeholders and being open and transparent about all of our, what we're seeing sort of in the data and how can we, how can we translate it, you know, into sort of meaningful change? You know, I think those are, those are some things that I sort of think about of being guided by existing data, but then also still being willing to modify a program, you know, as, as we all see fit and as it may per pertain to our community. You know, I think oftentimes studies are, are used as justification in which, and we need, and we need data to guide us, but you know, every locality is also different. So how can we understand how a successful program can be successfully implemented in a different place may require some small tweaks and some some, some adaptations based on uh, local policies or politics. And we have to be ready for those and to be nimble and flexible to the extent that we can to ensure that the program is optimized for its community or its neighborhood. And then I think on a slightly different tangent when I sort of think about communication, one thing that I sort of think a lot about in in my work in substance use is really the role that stigma plays and how that is something that I think is important to talk with all stakeholders about. And how can we really, again, sort of in my line of, of, of focus here in the Philadelphia Health Department of reducing the stigma that surrounds substance use disorders and addiction, because so much of what we do is contingent upon addressing stigma and helping individuals who may be suffering from substance use disorders to feel like they can go access the care that they may have thought about or may want and not make them feel stigmatized in the process. And so I think one thing that we can do as public health professionals is really, you know, be attuned to the the policies and the language that we all use in describing a public health issue like substance use, because it does have significant implications for people's willingness to seek care and then the outcomes that they have even when they get there. You kind of hinted at this question already, but I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to expand anymore. So we've talked a lot about location on this podcast, um, and you talked a lot about local public health. And so I just want to know if you can expand it all on how place matters, especially in the work that you do with opioids. You talked about such a high rate of prevalence in Philadelphia, but how does it matter? You know, you've been to a lot of different cities and even different countries, all the way from Philadelphia to San Francisco and Boston and Cambodia. So if you can expand a little bit more about like how place matters for public health as well. Yeah, so I think place, I think that's a great question. And I think place certainly does matter. And as, as, 
as has been well pointed out in, in different studies and in different cities of how one zip code certainly does is predictive of one's outcomes or one life, one's life expectancy. And I think places is really important. I think about it sort of from a couple of different lenses that I sort of sit here now, one of which is if I sort of focus on my work here in Philadelphia around substance use, is thinking about, is sort of thinking about that zip code sort of level disparities that frankly do exist, or the concentration of certain outcomes happening in certain neighborhoods and not others. And an example I'll use for that is thinking about how our maps of overdose deaths or non-fatal overdose deaths, and how those often align with overlay with maps around HIV or hepatitis C, knowing that there's sort of that common connection with injection drug use. But then if you step back even further and think about, you know, what are the neighborhoods that have higher rates of poverty or lower rates of access to medical care? or health insurance. Those all often do overlay and then think about then really how can we, you know, we're not necessarily addressing one one public health problem alone here and thinking about opioids. And I think if you silo it and just think about how can I address the opioid problem and not think about all these other different factors that contribute to one's health, you're not really going to make a dent in the in the problem you're trying to solve in the first place. So if I and my colleagues here are not also thinking about homelessness or we're not also thinking about sanitation and thinking about all those sorts of issues in Kensington, which is sort of our epicenter of the substance use crisis here in Philadelphia, then we're really not gonna be able to make as much of a, a dent, even if we are able to get more naloxone out there into the hands of people who are actively using. I think you do have to think about individuals and communities much more holistically. And so I think that's one one way that I sort of think about how place how place matters. And then I think more broadly, where where place matters a great deal is really around policies that exist in different locations. And so, as you mentioned, I've had some experience and have lived in different cities around the country and have been fortunate to do so, Boston and San Francisco being the ones I've spent the most time in, and to realize that our public health interventions or opportunities are either enabled or limited by policies that exist in those specific cities. And so, and in the states in which those are all in, I mean, obviously we're looking at different states there as well. And so place matters there too, and thinking about what policies exist that can help or hinder public health efforts. So I think there's a number of different factors one can think about how place matters, but those are some of the ones that really come to, come to my mind. So the last question is, what is one thing you thought you knew, but later realized you were wrong about? So I think this is such a good question, and I I think that there are so many things that I thought I knew and and certainly been been wrong about. But I think in the realm of, of public health, I think one of the things that has been really such a, a growing and learning experience for me in this role, and very humbling, but I think also important to share, is I think I naively thought that many policymakers who I encounter could be swayed and would be would be sold by evidence-based policies based on good data and how sharing some local data would fully convince them that what we were trying to do was right. And I think why I say I was wrong about that, and it's, it's been a good learning experience for me, is that data does go so far, but it really is, again, coming back to what I had mentioned maybe a little while or so ago, is the value of stories. And from, peeing, from hearing from people who with very you know, lived experiences and what their reality is like, and that in some ways has gone so much further than a well-done study or some report that we produce from the health department. 
I think those are very important, and I think a lot of people do want to see the data. But what I've learned and have encountered here, especially around substance use, is that individuals with lived experience, whether they're actively using or they're in recovery or they're a family member of someone who used or who unfortunately may have died of an overdose, their stories and their testimonials are not only eye-opening and enlightening for me to hear, but they're also incredibly, incredibly powerful and persuasive. And figuring out ways to elevate their voices is something that I've been learning about and trying to identify how can I do better about to really ensure that their voices are incorporated into decision making, into even just or even just educational sessions to ensure that people are receiving well-rounded or a diverse range of perspectives, but then also hearing from people who have, who have lived through and experienced something as personal and as oftentimes as tragic as the opioid crisis, is that data are important. I very much believe in making sure that our interventions as best they can be informed by the literature, but that there's also a part of it that is also emotional and that we need to we need to learn how to harness that and to think about from a public health point of view of marrying qualitative and quantitative data in advance of good programs and good policies. You've brought up some awesome points. I mean, I think for myself as a student and then also, you know, people in the public health um, sector working now, you, you brought up a lot of great points and I love your points about quantitative, but also including qualitative work as well. So thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Um, is there anything else that you want to mention or talk about at all? No, I think the last thing I would I would just say is that for me, public health has been incredibly, incredibly rewarding and gratifying. And I'm excited to hear that, that I had to know that there are a lot of students and other professionals out there who are similarly excited and passionate about public health as I am. And for those who are just beginning to explore it, I think one of the really the best things about public health to me is how collaborative it is. And so in Philadelphia here, we have close connections and relationships with counterparts in health departments across the country. And to feel like you're you're part of a big you're part of a big community and part of a big network. And so as much as local as much as issues are local, I think you can also draw advice or inspiration from colleagues across the country. And so my last words would just be, don't be afraid to reach out. I think we're all, public health is a very collaborative field. And you know, I think we, we want to engage with others, hear ideas, learn from each other. So never feel afraid or nervous about reaching out. I think there's a whole world and a whole field that would be eager to, to work with and to, to learn from everyone who's listening to this podcast now. Thank you so much. Thank you to Dr. Jeffrey Hum for being part of this series. I loved how he tied together policy issues and social determinants of health when talking about opioids. I also found his point about storytelling quite compelling, and I find it interesting that so many of the people we have interviewed in either on episodes in the past or interviews that are coming up have noted that storytelling is so important in public health. It reminds me that we in public health have a message to share, but we have to be creative and persistent if we want the world to hear it. Let us know what you thought about this interview and what you think about this series as a whole. You can find us on Facebook at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. We're on iTunes and Spotify as well as the University of Iowa College of Public Health. All right, we're out of here. This episode of From the Front Row was hosted and produced by Haley Boudreaux, edited and co-produced by Ian Bukta. Our guest today was Dr. Jeffrey Hum. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health.